Welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast, where we share the stories and thoughts of church history's heroes to inspire and equip the church of today. I'm your host, Leila Nahavandi. We hope you enjoy this episode. Well, hello and welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. I am super excited about this episode. This is going to be a blockbuster episode. Um, I'm with my very good friend, Josh Vidal, who has a million billion degrees in history, education, theology, is an absolute genius for everything church history. And um, Josh is going to be looking today at Martin Luther. So I'm super excited. Well, Welcome, Josh. It's so good to see you. Yeah, you too, Leila. Thanks for having me on. He's he's like one of those two or three people in church history. Like he's so enormous, his shadow. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm glad we're getting into him. So thanks for asking me to do it on him. I, I was plugging you a couple of months ago like, can I do the Martin Luther one or something? Yes. No, I'm glad you're doing it. And for those who don't know Josh, we actually have a previous episode where Josh looked at St. Augustine as well. So he's taking on all the heavy hitters of church history and doing an awesome job. Um, but super excited to look at Martin Luther today, Josh. Um, can you tell us a little bit about who he is, what formed him spiritually, um, who, what's his background? Oh, man. Hard to know where to jump in with a yeah. man like him and his story. It's hard, but I'll, I'll try. So he's the catalyst. He's known for being the catalyst of the Protestant Reformation, mm, um, wow. which was ginormous uh, in its scope um, mm. and its consequences. And so he gets the credit for kind of like kickstarting the Protestant Reformation. However, there was like fuel and wood built up over the centuries leading up mm. to that point. And other people were sensing the the Catholic Church needed some some reform. Yeah. So in 1054, there was the great schism between the Roman Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church with the Greek and mm-hmm. Russian Orthodox. That split. So there was already a, a schism in the church as was. But the, the schism that happened about 500 years later with the Protestants and the Catholics, mm-hmm. um, Martin Luther was kind of the um, uh, not the forerunner, but he's the one that kind of realized some of these, these, these claims and, and cries from people saying, the Catholic mm. church needs to be reformed. There's some abuses. There's some papal overstepping. Um, there's some councils. Mm. There's some ecclesiastical missteps that really need to get cleaned up. So Martin Luther wow. unwittingly, unknowingly, <laughs> unintentionally, he actually helped um, kickstart the Protestant Reformation. So wow. um, he was, his nickname is the German Hercules. So <laughs> he he does so much. So some of the Protestant people we know about, the John Calvins, the Henry VIII's, the Zwingli's, uh, the Husses, the Wycliffe, the Tyndales. Mm-hmm. Luther's probably the predominant one over over all those yeah. men. And for a few reasons. So I'll, I'll try to give a big scope and then and maybe zoom in a little bit, Layla, and yeah. jump in and, and help me digress or, or, or elaborate more if you want me to. Um, no problem at all. He, what, okay, how do I say this? <clears throat> he had no qualms about... Um, he had no qualms about like pursuing God with all of his heart. He was a very sensual mm. man. He wanted to actually be a lawyer. So was dad, let's zoom back. Mm-hmm. So in about 1483, he was born in mm-hmm. Eiselben, Germany. And his dad was middle-class, he's a coal miner. So he had enough money to send Luther to school. So he was studying law. And this mm-hmm. famous scene, which most of the viewers probably know, Luther was walking uh, and there was a huge thunderstorm. And this lightning yeah. struck near Luther. <laughs> <laughs> flings him on the ground and he said, help me, St. Anne, I'll become a monk. 
So St. Anne was the patron saint of coal miners, which his dad was. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously St. Anne is uh, Mary's mother. So two weeks later, he made good on that promise. So he left yeah. law school and his dad's like, I'm funding you law school and you're leaving to join a monastery. Luther goes, I got to keep my vow to God. So at the mm-hmm. age of around 19, he joins a monastery. It was an Augustinian monastery. Mm-hmm. He studies, learns, um, and he just wrestles with God. He felt like he, he mm-hmm. God was angry with him and God was wrathful. Um, and then the Catholic Church later also, um, I- I'm trying to say it in a way that's kosher because I know some of our listeners might be Catholic. And so they mm. probably not, might agree with everything that we're going to talk about here. So I'm mm. trying to be as, as well balanced as I possibly yeah. can. But back then, the Catholic Church, even some of the popes, uh, there's a quote I couldn't quite ascertain. But one of the popes about 100 years before Luther said, we're known for doing this, which is bad. We're known for doing this, which is bad. This is, we're known for doing this, which is bad. And these are all true. We need to reform. So mm. Luther was was unsure of his salvation there was these relics this this tooth from saint john the baptist this lock of hair from mary magdalene <laughs> yeah. this femur bone from matthew the apostle yeah. <laughs> if you see these look at these it, it, it gets you closer to god it shaves off years of purgatory and then also um just certain things like indulgences which we'll get into mm. here momentarily um yeah penance things like that um luther was just pretty certain that god you had to climb and jump through a million hoops to get to him so anyway, Luther was confessing sins to his uh, rectory man, Johann Stoppitz, and, and he was so, he would confess for hours and hours. Wow. And Johann Stoppitz is like, dude, bring me something worthy to confess. You're not giving me any debt. You're just <laughs> confessing these tiny sins. So Luther struggled with that. Long story short, Luther becomes the Bible professor, and he just wants to challenge the Catholic Church and their indulgences. So mm. I'll zoom out big and then zoom in a little bit. Um, he posts these 95 theses, which is, it's, he posted it in Latin, uh, and Luther started earning his Bible degrees while he was at the, um, at the Wittenberg Monastery, um, and then he joined the theology school there, and through mm-hmm. his 95 theses, he just challenged the Catholic Church, he's a son of the church, right, he's Augustine, mm-hmm. monk. why are we practicing indulgences, why is the Pope selling indulgences to raise mm-hmm. money to build St. Peter's Basilica, why is he peddling mercy and grace and God's forgiveness for coin and money? Mm. It's free. It's a gift of faith. God imputes that. You don't need to pay money or get a certificate for that. Mm. So there's a bunch of disputes, theological disputes. It started off as an academic dispute, and then it became a scandal. And <laughs> Italy is like, what's this German monk doing? Yeah. It became a scandal. And then there's this thing called the Diet of Worms, which I'll get into later. Um, long story short, which I've said about three times now, and I keep making it long. Luther gets excommunicated. <laughs> yeah. He gets excommunicated three times right. by his Augustinian rector, Johann Stoppus. He goes, yeah. you're going to have me grab you and deliver you. So you're kicked out of the Augustinian monastery. Uh, mon- your monastic vow is severed. And Luther was devastated. And then mm-hmm. Emperor Charles was in charge of the Holy Roman Empire, which is a confederation mm-hmm. of a bunch of countries and states and provinces. He excommunicated Luther. And there was a death sentence on Luther for being a heretic and attacking mm-hmm. the Catholic Church. And then Pope Leo excommunicated Luther from the Catholic Church at, at large <laughs> and labeled him a heretic. So when Catholic And didn't he burn, him, just burn the papal bull? Was he, like... he did. He <laughs> did, yeah. He was a bull. He was called Excurge Domini, yeah. which is Pope Leo said, arise, O Lord, and put down this, this German monk. And Luther just threw it in the fire. He Burns it. <laughs> yeah. Luther's like, eh. At that point, he just really... So... The, the thread that Luther plucked up was just indulgences. Why, why is the mm. Catholic Church promulgating the sales of indulgences? That's not how God's grace works. So he plucked on that. And once he plucked on that thread, mm. he started pulling up like 
well, this is kind of tied into papal authority. And this really only mm. came about the last couple hundred years. And, and why is the Catholic Church saying mm. that the scriptures aren't, aren't, you know, the authoritative measure of the church? And, and why do they, they make priests not be able to marry? And what about the mass itself? Mm. Why, why is it a sacrifice of Christ every single time when Roman, I mean, so Hebrews clearly says Christ was sacrificed once and for all. Mm. So Luther unintentionally just saw that the thread and once he plucked it, it kind of unraveled mm. his whole view of the Catholic Church. So the Catholic Church kicked Luther out from reforming. Luther never wanted to get kicked out. He wanted to stay in the mm. church and reform as a son of the church. So starts as Lutheran churches, and then Henry VIII picks up on that with England, and they break away from the Catholic Church. Calvin breaks away. And now, Layla, 2021, I want to say last time I checked, the, the fruit of this, whether you think it's rotten fruit, if you're uh, Orthodox, Catholic probably, or if you're Protestant, it could be ripe fruit. 1.2 billion Christians call themselves Catholics. 800 Christians call themselves Protestants. 800? Um, 800? 800 million, yeah. 800 million, yeah. yeah. So, and then 1.2 billion Catholics. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Luther, once he broke away from the church, he realized, Hey, the Latin language was really the, the predominant language for academics. And, you know, the mass mm. was in Latin and people living in France, living in Germany, mm. where they don't speak Latin. So Luther translated the Bible into German, mm. which was huge. Yeah. He wanted to put the language of the of the people in the street. You have the Bible, kind of like what Tyndale did for mm. uh, for the English. Uh, he came up with catechisms to teach the people in Germany, like yeah. you need to learn the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles Creed and the Ten Commandments. So he catechized his people. He wrote a mm. bunch of hymns. He was very prolific. He wrote about three thousand sermons. They say on average wow. he spoke a sermon about every three days. Wow. Uh, eventually, he married. Uh, at the age of forty-two, he married a twenty-seven-year-old ex-nun. Yes. But um married and had kids. And so he lived a very full life, died in his sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, and he without hint, Layla, that shock wave of the Protestant Reformation gets traced back then. The last thing I'll say before we can maybe delve into more details is yeah, the, the trajectory of Western civilization was forever altered because mm-hmm. When Luther stood before the Diet of Worms, and a diet is not obviously, you know, a, a, a choice of food and restrict yourself like we know today. And everyone's on a diet and people diet as you work. But this diet was like the highest legislative authority body mm-hmm. in the whole Roman Empire. He stood mm-hmm. before the, the Diet of Worms. And most people know this famous phrase he said. They asked him to recant for all his works he wrote against the Pope and, and against uh, the Catholic Church. And Luther's like, uh, basically, I, mean, I can read off. Uh, it's so powerful. It, it, it'll, it's like, stuff that Hollywood's made out of. But he yeah. said, you know, my, my conscience is captive to the mm. word of God. It's neither safe nor right to go against conscience. And unless I'm proven my errors from reason or scripture, I mm. can't recant. I won't recant, right? Mm. Here I stand. I can do no other. So yeah. help me, God. Mm. Uh, and that is what got him in trouble. And so people know that <laughs> phrase, but what that did is him bringing up conscience Today, we have religious conscientious objections, object, objections for, for war, for not getting uh, immunized. Um, th- that just sent Western civilization on a trajectory. Wait, if the Pope doesn't have authority and these and these princes and kings have authority, it's the scripture. And Luther really promulgated this, Layla, the priesthood of all believers. The Pope, mm. the cardinals, the pastor, the bishop, they're no more special Christian than you or me, Luther said, right? Yeah. Um, So if if Christians are all equal in God's eyes, and as Peter says, there's a priesthood of all believers. You're a holy nation. Mm -hmm. You're a holy priesthood. Mm -hmm. 
then if that's the case, then I can interpret the Bible as a Christian more than some of the people in the councils. So when Luther put that out there, that's what helped lead John Locke and Montesquieu and the founding fathers to say, wait a minute, wow. the king is saying this, but wait, I, I'm, I'm equipped with reason and logic and mm. I can withstand these high people up that used to be like, people be scared of the kings and, and kingdoms. Mm. But so Luther said that and then democracy is a huge outcropping of Luther's stance. Even though the Greeks had started it 2000 years before, well, 1500 years before Luther, it really um, came back into the end of the scene. Wow. So, yeah, it's, it's hard to, I want to go deep in some ways, but I want to give an overview. I know this podcast is usually about an hour but Luther is such a titan of the faith. Mm. Um, he did so much translations. Um, he's a prophet. He was a monk. He was a husband, mm. preacher, teacher. He never called himself a reformer. He never mm. called himself a Protestant. Um, wow. He just called it. He, he labeled himself more as a prophet and as a theologian. Mm. He lived in one city as a professor his whole life. He taught in between all this uh, brouhaha. He was still lecturing mm. to his students. So Crazy. it wasn't like he was a full-time revolutionary. He was just, you know, and he, hand to plow. He would just have him sitting around at his table, right? There's a whole bunch of like just things written down of like him just talking to the students at the table. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Just hanging yeah. out. Yeah. Just eating dinner. Yeah, there's a book, there's a book they wrote called Luther's Table Talk. And they yeah. would they would just pick his brain during dinner. Here's a quick story. I was gonna save it for your fun facts section or stories, but he had a temper. So again, let me let me backtrack. He was not the prototypical revolutionary. He wasn't. Mm. He didn't have the constitution. He was very ill-tempered, very mm. impatient, very crude, uh, volatile in his emotions. He was obstinate uh, in the midst of him to find the Catholic church in, in the um, initial stages. They sent Cardinal Cajetan to talk to him and kind of set him straight. And he goes, that monk is stubborn. And the Germans were known for being hard-headed. So he didn't really have um, Eric McTaxis, a really famous book on Luther right here. Mm-hmm. He, he says Luther didn't really have the heroic virtues, but he did have a few things. He had a keen intellect, mm-hmm. very sharp. The language he uses was very um, illustrious. Um, mm-hmm. And and when, he was like a bulldog. Once he got a hold of the gospel and truth, once he had that private um, experience with God, he did not let go of that no matter what anybody had said, he, he encountered God in such a strong, powerful way. Um, so yeah, he was, his obstinacy could be seen as a stubbornness. Um, and he was just a prolific writer. So without the Gutenberg press, a lot of his writings would not have uh, gone wide and far. They were ubiquitous. They were being printed all over. I want to say at one point, 20% of all German printings were Luther's tracks and writing. Wow. So no, no printing, no, no reformation. Cause his ideas went far and wide super yeah. quick. If it was 200 years before, nah. So, yeah, obviously as a person, I would say that's God's divinity and timing. Totally. Um, but, yeah, he was reliant on, on the context of the times too. So Yeah. Well, I think is it true that his um, his translation of the Bible was the first German bestseller? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't heard about that, but that makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, he did the New Testament translation first and then went circle back and did the Hebrew. He had a companion named Philip Melanchthon who was like, by all accounts, just a um, an avid scholar in the Greek and Hebrew. So Luther, that's kind of his right-hand man. And those guys both helped interpret the New Testament into uh, into German. And Erasmus, cool. who was also um, mm. a son of the Catholic Church, he had this famous Latin translation of the New Testament, I think in 1516. Uh, and mm. Luther relied heavily on that. Obviously, Luther was well-trained. He knew Greek, he knew Latin, a little bit of Hebrew, and obviously in German. So he's fluent in multiple languages. Um, and he was a scholastic, um, he's a monk. Cool. He just, he studied a big part of his day. 
So, yeah, Luther, well, you can talk about him forever. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, still, I mean, it was 2021, just four years ago in 2017, was the 500 year anniversary of Crazy. him posting the 95 theses on the Wittenberg Church. It was October 31st, All Hallows, All Saints, uh, 1517. So, yeah, it's, it's he's pretty relevant to this day, you know. So, yeah, yeah, incredible. So, Josh, that's a great background and overview. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of these works that Luther is known for or some of the big events? I know we've already gone over some of the Reformation and stuff, yeah. but what are the big works that he's yeah. known for today? Yeah. So, he unfortunately for Luther, he died pretty young. I want to say like in his early sixties. Mm-hmm. He didn't really produce later like a, a huge systematic theology. Um, he was a prolific writer, but it was more like when things came up in the moment, he would address it, address it, talk about it, write about it. He has one famous um, work. It's called um, "A Simple Way to Pray." Luther's barber mm-hmm. named Peter just asked him, "Hey, I'm struggling." He's cut uh-huh. Luther's hair, right? There's yeah. Jed. He's cut his hair. He's like. Man, Martin Luther, I'm really struggling with prayer. And he goes, let me get back to you on that. So he wrote about a 15-page letter wow. uh, on how to pray. So there's moments like that. He, he was such a pastor. Yeah, very um, pastoral. Yeah. That's cool. I would say his 95 theses are huge, uh, and it's very scholastically written. So it goes through uh, didactically and argumentatively um, his beefs with indulgences. And indulgence would be um, – a remission of the penalty of sin. So with the indulgence with the church, there's, there's the guilt of sin, which God can forgive, but then there's the penalty of sin. So let's say someone steals, you know, a uh, hundred bucks, right? Well, God forgive me. Mm-hmm. I stole that. Okay. God forgive you. Okay. You, you still owe a hundred bucks to somebody. So that could mm-hmm. be the indulgence is like, uh, or that's the, the, the penalty of sin. The indulgence would, would try to get rid of that penalty. Mm-hmm. of sin. So Luther's 95 theses really address that. That's real powerful. Uh, in 15, I want to say 50, yeah, 15, 20, in about four months' time, Luther had these three really important treatises. In fact, there's a book I have, three treatises. Um, one was called The Christian to the Christian Nobility of a German Nation. And Luther really he attacks the three walls of, mm-hmm. of the papacy and the Catholic Church because he's trying to get people to realize Luther thought at some point the antichrist was, was uh, infiltrating the Catholic church and, and mm. subverting the gospel. So Luther thought this was a huge deal. Luther yeah. saw himself at the end times. He goes, if the gospel is being poisoned in the church itself, this must be, you know, mm-hmm. end times here. So he had a real heightened sense of like trying to get the gospel out and do as much as he could. So he wrote mm-hmm. letters, this letter to the, to the Christian nobility telling them, here's how Rome is going askew. Mm-hmm. Um, and the three walls he attacked in the Christian nobility, the German nation uh, treaties is this, the spiritual and secular classes were like secular authority. So popes at the time said, we have authority over temporal kingdoms. Mm-hmm. We can, we can depose emperors and Kings. We have that authority. And Luther kind of attacked that and said, no, you don't. Your, your authority is in the spiritual realm. It's not mm-hmm. in the temporal realm. Right. Yeah. The other thing he attacked in the Christian nobility, the German nation is um, the, the, the promulgation for the Catholics that only the Pope can correctly interpret scripture. Mm. And Luther went through numerous times and episodes where the, the Popes have erred and even mm. councils have erred. So there's, there's no way that the, the Pope is infallible in that regard yeah. um, of interpreting scripture. And the last thing Luther attacked in that was um, Popes can call a council, a bunch of Cardinals and bishops, 
And, and sometimes the councils had authority over the popes, and sometimes the popes have authority over the council. Uh, about mm. 150 years before Luther, Layla, there was this huge controversy <laughs> where there was three uh, competitive popes. One said he was the real pope. This other pope says the real pope. Now I'm the real pope. <laughs> and the Catholic Church is like, who's the real pope? So they had a council. And the council determined none of you three are popes. There's actually yeah. a new pope we're going to get. And <laughs> just, we're, just to reiterate the Catholic Church, councils, they hold final authority over matters of church, you know, uh, doctrine. Mm. And, that and they're all, all in different areas, right? Was it one in yeah. Rome, one yeah, in France, one in, yeah, like, I yeah. can't remember. But. Yeah, and that was one of the reasons where people thought we need some reform. And so mm. the guy that ended up having be the pope that took over, <laughs> He actually said, no, thank you for telling me that I'm the Pope, but your counsel is wrong. I have authority over you. Like, How do you have authority over us? We just gave you authority over these three Popes. So um, Luther really attacked that because some of the yeah. Christian princes in the Holy Roman Empire, like, how do I break away from the Catholic Church if they're the one true holy apostolic church? Yes. How do we start our own church? And Luther gave them reasons to do so. So the other major writing he had was the Babylonian captivity of the church. So mm. um in Israel, right, the Babylonians came and conquered, um, and sort of the Assyrians before the northern kingdom, southern kingdom of Israel, like Judah and Israel. But they, they carried off a bunch of Jews to Babylon, including Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, etc. So Luther said, look, this is what's happening now. The Catholic Church has led into Babylonian captivity, secular captivity, mm-hmm. the church, by mm-hmm. misinterpreting what the gospel is and, and muddying the waters of what it means to receive grace, by, by, but not by works but by faith. Um, So Luther really attacks um, the sacraments. So the the Mm. sacraments of the Catholic church are, there's seven of them and they're baptism, the Eucharist confirmation, marriage, holy orders, uh, anointing of the sick and reconciliation. So a sacrament would be a divine imputation of grace and and God doing uh, an act. Uh, You doing an act and God just honors that and gives you his Holy Mm. spirit in that moment. Um, Luther says, actually, in scriptures, there's only two sacraments mm-hmm. where it, the, the, the sacredness of God is is given and inserted into you. And that's only baptism and the Eucharist. That's the only two sacraments of the seven that the Catholics promulgate that really have promises of, of, of God's work. So Luther just attacked that in the Babylonian Catholic Church. So he just because people said, if I leave the Catholic Church, I can't take the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. I, I can't get remission of sins. Right. Yeah. Um, and Luther said the Catholics have it wrong. Any believer can can participate in that. Mm. Uh, another major work of his is called the freedom of a Christian. So yeah. Christian nobility, like, look, you guys, <clears throat> here's the walls I'm going to attack that the papacy has set up that sets them up as the final arbiter of the faith. They're actually mm. a, char- uh, uh, a facade. It's, 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 a, um, mm. it's a charade. And then in the Babylonian captivity church, he goes, let's attack mm. the sanctuary. They say we have sacraments. No other people in the Christendom have this. And Luther, Luther says... You guys are actually polluting the sacraments. You're not even doing them right. Yeah. So, and then after that point, the walls are broken down. The sanctuary has been invaded. All Christians have access to that. Then in the freedom of Christian, he says, we now have freedom, right? You're, you're free from popes and from councils. <laughs> you're, he said it this way. He says, um, you're free from everybody, but you have a duty to serve everybody as a Christian. It doesn't mm. let you off the hook. It is kind of, oh, I'm mm. a Christian. I can do whatever I want, right? Paul yeah. says, all things with by Christian liberty, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Mm-hmm. So that was that. His his most favorite work, Layla, was on the bondage of the will. So he had mm. a little dispute with Erasmus, this who wanted to reform the, the Catholic Church, stayed in the Catholic mm-hmm. Church. Luther and him 
Erasmus kind of admired him in some ways, and Luther as well. Mm. But Luther felt like he wasn't hardcore enough and wanting to reform the church. So Erasmus had a, had a, a writing on like being, you know, f- called free will. And Luther came out with the, the bondage of the will. Luther felt, hey, <laughs> humans are, he called, he called it, we're all, humans are part of Adam's sinful lump. <laughs> he says, we, he basically argued for uh, monergism, the, 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 not, not synergism. So like me acting to receive God's grace. No, it, it's all God. It's all, your will is bonded and bound to sin. There's nothing righteous about you. Um, your, your will is captive to, to the enemy and God has to come in and override that. So he's a really big proponent of predestination in that regard. Yeah. So bondage of the will, Luther said this, Hey, you can burn all my works except <laughs> for bondage of the will and his catechism. Because those are the only two looking back on his life. Those are the only two mm. he felt like were, were worthwhile. So wow. he, he's easy to read and get into. You can also, um, for 200 bucks, you can buy <laughs> all of Luther's works on Logos. I'm really? Not- Yes, that's like there such a deal. But there's also this. This is a book. It has its major theological writings. It's a little bit of snippets. Again, he doesn't have a systematic theology like yeah. uh, Millard Erickson, right, or Wayne mm. Grudem or something like that. You just have to piece it together. But mm. um, he he's so caustic in his writing. He's very uh, – he talked a lot of trash. <laughs> a lot of name cards. So – his, his reading transfers today. You read it and you're like, oh my gosh, he's just roasting these people. <laughs> Very blunt. You're like, there's no spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Like, no. Luther's <laughs> like, I'm in the end times. I don't have time to mess with these people violating the gospel. I'm just going to just yeah. no hold bar. He's not going to hold nothing <laughs> back. So if you get into his reading, it's really, it's accessible. Very it's eye opening, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. So I'm going to flip someone new, Layla. I know yeah. uh, you said Reformation isn't quite like your your focus, but um, anything of Luther you've gotten into stories or writings where you're like, it just, it just resonated with you, like that part you just remember for some reason? Yeah. So I love like being a Bible college teacher. I loved his table talks thing that I was just talking about yeah. before because yeah, yeah. just that heart to, to just share a meal, to have fun, to chat, but then he's also just imparting into the students. Um based on the questions that they have, you know, not just like, I want to teach you this and I'll, this yeah. is my favorite topic, so I'll tell yeah. you this. But, yeah. yeah, based on the questions that they have, he's really like ministering to them yeah. and imparting into them. And I love that that mm-hmm. was part of his like family with his wife, Katarina, yeah. and stuff as well, you know, yeah. that they had a heart to do that. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, that's beautiful. So even for all of his like brash comments to people <laughs> and the punches yeah. that he throws, I think like you see his heart in that. Yeah. Is that he just is has a heart for the unadulterated like gospel of Jesus Christ? Yeah. So I think, yeah, just yeah, he did. Let mm. me read this one part to you. So for him, again, he's struggling with having to earn his salvation. So mm. the Catholic Church, even to this day, in some measure, they have they believe that that your faith does save you, but it's also works in tandem. Mm. And the Book of James really talks about that, but. For Luther, it was the, the the schematics laid out for him to achieve mm. and appease God's wrath and achieve like peace was just he was it was beating him up and he never could achieve it. So he he did a visitation to Rome when he was a monk, and there's these 28 sacred steps that supposedly were the same steps Jesus walked up to to be judged by Pilate. Yeah. They transported <laughs> it from Jerusalem uh, <laughs> to, to Rome. So Luther goes and. It, if you would say Hail Mary on each of the 28 steps at the very top of the step, you could mention the name of somebody and they would, they'd be free from purgatory. Wow. 
So Luther did that, said to Mary, got to the top and said, I want my grandfather to be out of purgatory. But then he realized he was just like, this just seems like phony. It just seems like yeah. man's power. Make believe. So, yeah. Yeah. So his phrase that liberated him, the just shall live by faith. That's mentioned in Habakkuk, mm-hmm. in Romans, mm-hmm. Galatians, and in Hebrews. Wow. Um, but Luther said this. So I'm going to actually read it out here, Layla. It's, um, yeah. well, I'm going to read it in Habakkuk first. So Habakkuk says this, Habakkuk 2, verse 4, behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. So wow. the, the context of that is it, the, the first part of the verse is pride, right? Mm. His soul is lifted up. I, I'm the man. I can achieve my mm. salvation. That's the first sin in human history. Actually, in, in history of the universe is when Lucifer <laughs> held himself up higher than yeah, the right. Lord, right? Pride, mm. uh, pride in the garden of Eden, right? Like mm. has the Lord really said you can't eat that? Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, we can eat that. So pride mm. of man achieving, Luther called it works righteousness. With my works, I can attain my righteousness. Mm. So Habakkuk just shuts that down immediately after. No, the just, you live by your faith, not by your works. Yeah. This is something I, I, I was, before we started, I kept this note. This, this was revelatory for me about five, mm. six years ago. I had a physical burnout. I was doing mm. 10 million things and flooding my schedule with prison ministry, my master's program. I had a fiance. I was teaching middle school. Mm. I had a small group. I was helping my grandma, my uncle, and I was working out and go to the gym and mm. 10 million things. And I got tired and exhausted. Mm. And I really had to have a gospel renaissance in my life lately yeah. of like, wait, what? Why am I trying to like, I found out I was trying to achieve God's favor and love for me mm. by doing these things, yeah. which I thought were pleasing him. And he wanted me to do it. And the Lord's like, son, I already accept you. I really yeah. love you. You're, you're not living by faith. You're living by works. So for me, discovering this in Habakkuk and Luther later in Romans, which I'll read, but I put this post it which reminds me the just shall live by, and I put a blank, mm. the just will live by. So if you want to be justified in God's eyes, what, what do you need to live by? Now, a lot of us fill in the mm-hmm. blank with things like this prayer. The just mm-hmm. shall live by forgiveness. The just shall mm-hmm. live by payment. My tithe, the mm-hmm. just shall live in fear of the Lord. The just shall live in their service. They'll live in hardship. The just shall live by their repentance. Mm-hmm. The just shall live by their fasting, their tithing. I already mentioned tithing, actually their performance. <laughs> the just shall live by their family interactions, by their education, by their hope. The just shall live by love. None of those. The yeah. just shall not live by any of those, but the mm-hmm. just shall live by faith. Yeah. So when Luther read Romans 117, it says this, for therein is the righteous. Actually, let me go back to verse 16 first. When mm-hmm. Paul says the famous verse, like, you know what? I know it. Listeners, you know this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why not? Mm-hmm. It's the power of God into salvation to everyone that believes, operative word yeah. believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek. Now, 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, and he quotes Habakkuk, mm-hmm. Paul says, the just shall live by faith. Yeah. So here's what Luther discovered, that the righteousness of God, that, that phrase, the righteousness of God, mm-hmm. there's a few meanings for that. Luther took it and the medievals took it for, that. that's a, um, that's a, um, a standing that's mm-hmm. like a, um, that's a condition. I want to say mm-hmm. the condition of God's righteousness, Yeah. Right. but the way Luther looked at it. And I would argue the Holy spirit helped me see it is mm-hmm. it's not so much a condition God's righteousness, but it's, it's an act of, um, of giving. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. It's a, it's a movement of God. God can't dispense his righteousness. Mm. Not just God is righteous. That's his righteousness, which he can never measure up to. We can never attain because we're, mm. we're filthy humans, sinful, depraved. God's righteousness is almost like it, it's to Luther. It was like, he hated God actually. Was, I hated God's righteousness. I can never get to that. Mm. But when Luther read it in a certain way where he said, wait, the righteousness of God is, is, is lived by faith. Wait, you give your right. It's not a condition, but it's mm. a, it's an action. I get the righteousness. If I live by faith, here's what Luther said. So um, he began to understand the righteousness of God. He's, I'm quoting him now. I understand the mm. righteousness of God is that by which the righteous lives by a gift of God. Hmm. namely by faith. This is the meaning, the righteousness of God that we read in Romans 117 is revealed by the gospel, namely the passive righteousness, which the merciful God justifies us as it's written. Hmm. He who lives through faith uh, will receive his righteousness. Here I hmm. felt that I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through open gates. Wow. He says, I extolled my sweetest word, right? With mm. as love as great as the hatred, which before I had hated the phrase righteousness from God. Mm. But now reading it in Paul, it felt like to me, the gates of paradise were opened up. Like, wow. Righteousness. He called it later, Layla, an alien righteousness. Mm. An alien is, you know, someone that's, that's foreign. They're not, mm. our righteousness is not inherent. You don't earn it. You don't, mm. you don't deserve it. You don't attain yeah. it. An alien righteousness is outside of you. Right. And it mm. comes in. So he called it an alien Beautiful. righteousness. So. That was huge for him. Yeah. Um, and once he had that and that experience, it was mm. his job to protect that gospel. And eventually, mm. if I can zoom out big picture, like that, some of the other reformers um, before Luther, John Huss, John Huss um, mm. and others, and then later with Tyndale, uh, Zwingli, um, Calvin, and Henry VIII, um, the five solas of the Reformation, right? The, the mm. solo being the Latin phrase only, right? Mm -hmm. The scriptures only. Um, grace only, faith only, Christ only for the glory of God only. Yeah. Those are the five tenets, like not, not promulgating a church or an institution or a denomination or a person like, like the Pope, but it's Christ alone, right? Mm -hmm. I have faith in him who gives me that grace alone and the scriptures alone have the authority. And it's all for God's glory or not, not to build mm -hmm. something or build people up, but it's for you, God. So Luther yeah. was, was really, um, just immersed in that. So, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Awesome, Josh. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about how all of this, um, Luther's life, his works, the big yeah. events, like he obviously yeah. shaped history, not only church history, but modern history yeah. in such an incredible way. Um, wh why should we know him today and, and how has he influenced, you know, sort of society today and, and the church today? Yeah. So Luther really set off the idea that a, a person armed with the word of God, right? Um, a person armed with the Holy scriptures and, and reason um, that holds sway and gives power over councils and people or pastors. Um, having a sense of like God's word and Luther was, was I want to emphasize this L Luther for all of us, <clears throat> scripture wasn't the sole authority, but it was the final authority. Mm. So Luther did quote many church fathers. He's an Augustinian monk, right? He quoted mm. uh, Augustine extensively. Um, but there was some church councils that went off and astray and they violated the word. So Luther said, no, 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 no. 
this is our final authority. Mm-hmm. Apostles' creeds, creeds in general, Nicene Creed, church fathers, other men and women of God, they're helpful. It's not the word, right? Mm-hmm. In Jesus' priestly prayer in John 17, he says, Jesus says, Lord, sanctify them um, with your truth. Your word mm-hmm. is truth, right? Yeah. And as Paul tells Timothy, right? Yeah, the word of God is living, breathing, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing mm-hmm. and dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and the joint and marrow. And as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, right? It's profitable for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. The man of God mm. may be perfect. Like, and Jesus constantly is quoting mm. scripture to, to ward off mm. Satan in the, um, in, in the wilderness and, and Moses and constantly using like, it is written, it is written. And Jesus mm. even tells the Pharisees, have you not read the scriptures? So Luther <laughs> just says, look, it's the scriptures. So for mm. us today, especially as Protestants, if you claim that, Luther really set off, like, if you have the scriptures, you basically have the final authority. You need community, mm-hmm. you need preaching, and you need pastors and elders, you need all that. So that, that's one thing Luther did. Uh, also, what Luther mm-hmm. um, helped us come down to is, is I want to touch on um, free inquiry. Mm-hmm. So Luther was, was trained in the classics, and so using yeah. reason and logic, like he said at the Diet of Worms, um, Unless I'm convinced by scripture or by reason. Um, mm. And not that Luther's catapulting reason to, to take over God, because sometimes in the Christian faith, things don't seem reasonable, right? Mm. How do I tithe 10% and my 90% of my money goes further than 100% if I didn't tithe? Yeah. That's not reasonable. It's faith. How does the virgin mm. birth work itself out? Like, wait, how does Mary not get pregnant by a man and mm. she gives birth? It's like sometimes reason doesn't make sense in the Christian faith, yeah. but you just have to just take it on, on the mysteries of God and just believe. Um, so Luther didn't elevate reason above God, but Luther just said there's reason. God gave us a, a, a mental faculty to exercise mm. reason and with scripture. So yeah. today, um, when the founding fathers, for instance, forged a new country with America, they were using mm. reason. If you read the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson, the founding fathers, they reasonably go through all of their complaints against King George and Parliament. That's a fruit of Martin Luther, free inquiry, my conscience mm. and my reason, right? So Luther uh, promulgates that for us today. Um, other things that Luther brings down is, you know, in he emphasized the priesthood of all believers. Mm. Um, <clears throat> there's churches now, like Congregationalist Church, they run the mm. church, right? Um, people that believe, like, in democracy, I, I touched this earlier, but having one vote per person to have sway and say in society that could be traced back to Luther in some ways. Wow. Um, and the ancient Greeks before him. Um, L- Luther emphasizing, like, yeah, you don't have to jump through hoops to attain God's love and favor, mm. but you should be fluent in good works. So mm. Luther really helped put a dent in the monastic tradition. So today, monastic traditions, uh, convents and monasteries for, for, for nuns and for monks, it's really been plummeting since since the Protestant Reformation. Because Luther said, you don't mm. have to prove God's, you know, joy over you by taking a monastic vow mm. so luther really put a dent in that um catechizing the common people luther's huge mm. with that i mean the westminster catechism is so famous right yeah. timothy keller actually if you're a viewer he has a really excellent catechism he did with his redeemer uh church in new york about catechizing your kids uh mm. luther was one of the forerunners of just catechizing people in layman's terms mm. um Great. also the sanctity of work layla he, he mm. since everyone's a priest of all believers he goes, if you're a lumberman, uh, yeah. you're a, you know, artisan, you're a mm. gardener, you know, I'm a professor of theology. He said, if you're, 
you know, stay at home mom, you're just as sacred and just as holy as someone that goes to Bible college for 20 years. You're just as yeah. sacred as that priest. So wow. he really emphasized that level playing field of all of you are precious in God's eyes and your mm. work is just as holy and righteous as that mm. pastor, right? When you do it to um, the glory of God, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. Not, not for your own means or your mm. own ends, but yeah, doing it in a way that just pleases God. Um, I think Paul says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Right. Um, so yeah. Um, and then Luther, a big impact for us is, is the Bible and our own tongue. So the Mm. council of Trent, so the Catholics knew they needed reform and a lot of the the Protestant reformation theology was out there and and Mm. Rome was just shell shocked. Like what what just happened? They wanted to shore up their, um, uh, their church. So the Council of Trent, I want to say, was in 15, I think, 45. Yeah. Um, they said, look, mass should be given now in the common tongue, not in Latin. Yeah. That was a huge part. So mm-hmm. even Vatican II now in 1962, the 20th century, um, they kind of um, really made that real stringent. Like, no, the mass should be spoken in people's common language tongue. Mm-hmm. So when, when Tyndale ended up doing his Bible translation for, for England, his introduction to his English Bible, maybe it was Wycliffe, one of those two gentlemen, he copied verbatim some of Luther's introduction to his Bible. Some of Luther introduced his Bible, his introductory phrases. Um, it just set off this cascading, just yeah. rush to, I want to read the Bible in my own tongue. So yeah. we have, we can thank Luther for that too. And we can thank Luther for being a man that was a reluctant leader. Mm. Uh, almost like Moses, like what you want me to go talk to Pharaoh? And speak. I don't know. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> Luther was like that. Luther had a um, inner battle. Like I, I don't want to be this this mm. hero. He didn't like hero worship. Mm. When people would come to him and say, "Oh, you're Martin Luther. You started the Reformation." Mm. You, he goes, "Dude, stop. Just stop." He, he didn't like that. So mm. us talking about him now on a podcast, I don't know if he'd be keen. On that. <laughs> he'd but, shut it down. He'd rip yeah. it off. Rip it off YouTube. Oh, yeah. yeah, iTunes. I might do that. But we have to thank for lots of things, and also to Layla. Um, we have him to thank for hymns. He wrote his wow. own hymns too. Wow. So he wrote hymns for his people to sing, catechized for them, Bible in their own language, um, upholding and maintaining, protecting the gospel truth and living it out, mm. uh, marrying people. Um, I mean, marrying himself uh, and letting people marry. So the whole tradition now where, you know, there's nothing new for you and I to see pastors and um, mm. even some Orthodox priests, but also um, if you're Episcopalian, you're Anglican and you marry, Mm-hmm. And you jump to the Catholic Church, they let you keep your wife, let you keep your spouse. Wow. So Luther said, celibacy for a priest doesn't make you any more holy and righteous. In fact, if you get married and have kids, that pleases God more than just giving yourself to that. God mm-hmm. doesn't give you extra brownie points for being celibate. So Luther really gave us that idea of like, no, you can marry as a pastor. Mm-hmm. You can marry and have a family. That's just as uh, valid in God's eyes mm-hmm. as you being celibate. And if you're called to celibacy, God bless you. That's fine. Luther's okay yeah. with that. But Luther really introduced like, no, I'm going to. I'm going to really enjoy marriage here and, and uphold yeah. it as something that God really, really enjoys. So, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Awesome, Josh. Well, do you have any favorite quotes oh um, or gosh. any quotes that he's really well known for? I think this will be awesome. Wait, I have too many. <laughs> yeah. Here, I'll get I'll get some of these. And I hope I, I'm trying to give a wide array so the listeners here, yeah. if they could just grab on a one or two, like, oh, I like that one better. Like that, that would make my heart uh, sing. Um, <laughs> So here's, here's some, um, he says, where God builds a church, Satan puts up a chapel next door. Wow. 
So we know that he called Satan the, the ape of God. So whatever God <laughs> does, the, the Satan is going to try to counterfeit. Mm. This reminds me uh, the parable of the wheat and the tares, right? Mm. Um, just well, there's wheat growing. It, it's God's mm. um, fruit with believers. And there's tares in there. And there's the ones that, that don't serve the Lord. Mm. And you don't gather them all up at once. You could rip up some of the wheat when you grab the tares. Mm. Just let the angels sift it out at the end times, like Jesus said. So Luther mm. had that great quote. Um, I like this quote. This is my, one of my favorite ones. Here we go. It says this. I opposed indulgences and all the papists, papist ones that were uh, advocates of the Pope. But never with force, I simply taught and preached and wrote God's word. Otherwise, Luther says, I did nothing. And while I slept and drank Wittenberg beer with my friends, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that no prince or emperor ever inflicted such losses upon it. I did nothing. The word did everything. Wow. I just love that, that quote. Like, yeah, I was just drinking beer and <laughs> the word it reminds me what paul tells timothy the word of god is not chained i'm bound mm. i'm chained up but the word yeah. of god is not bound yeah Luther beautiful said, look i didn't do anything i just preached the gospel and the word just did his thing i was just you know hanging out with my friends just kicking back so with some cool. beer. um how about this quote god does not need your good works but your neighbor does yeah i like that i like That's that i'm a christian i'm gonna do whatever i want no no out of that forgiveness mm. and righteousness that you now possess, you should have an overflowing heart of, I want to serve people. Yeah. I want to serve my neighbor. Um, so here's good. one. Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace. So mm. sure and certain that a man could stake his life on it 1,000 times. Mm. Beautiful. Um, it is daring and it is confidence in God. How about this one? Prayer is the better half of study. Yes. Amen. I know you study and geek out too, Layla. It's like, if someone says you have three hours to study, you know, I'm going to study for like two hours and 50 minutes and maybe pray for 10 minutes. Okay, Lord. <laughs> yeah. Luther's like, prayer is the better half of study. Wow. Like, you're, you're right. Um, here's a, one of the quote on prayer. He goes, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours of my day in prayer. Mm. It's crazy. Um, yeah. To be a Christian without prayer, Luther said, is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, how about this one? The truth is mightier than eloquence. The spirit is greater than genius. Faith is mm. more than education. Yeah. This is a homely one here, Layla. Mm. I am more afraid of my own heart than of the Pope and all his cardinals. I have mm. within me, Luther said, the great Pope. It's called self. Wow. So he realized, like, I, I try to work my own righteousness still, mm. right? Um, I'm scared of my own heart, what, it, what, it, what it's inclined to do. Mm. Here's a great famous one maybe you've heard before. The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has mm. feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. Mm. The Bible is a, um, I can't read my handwriting here. <laughs> I'm gonna skip that quote. Is it written quote. in German? <laughs> I need an interpreter. Yes. It's, it's pretty sloppy. It's pretty sloppy. Yeah, I okay, can't read that quote. from here. More. Sorry. He says, a simple layman armed with scripture is to be believed above a pope or council without scripture. Wow. Last quote yeah. of his on his deathbed, these are his last recorded words. They were actually written down. And I'll mm. say them in German. Now, by the way, I'm half German. So, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. that's where I get my I'm, I'm Irish too. But uh, my, my last name, Bidel, is, is German. By the way, my last name, Bidel, 
it's actually pronounced Boydel in Bidel. And it means I, I was devastated. When I was a teenager, I looked up a German English uh, dictionary. Yeah. Bidel. Oh my gosh. What's my name mean? My family lineage. <laughs> it means purse. Or purse? Yes. <laughs> I was crushed. You John should change it to like purse. wallet just so it's a little bit I more know. manly. <laughs> so like handbag. <laughs> Picture like these Gucci bags or coach purses. Yeah. I was like, Josh, purse. I wanted Bidel to mean like soldier. <laughs> Or warrior, or fighter, Josh Purse. Someone said well, maybe your ancestors were like money lenders or bankers. Yeah, I was like, no, rich. Yeah, not. but but anyway, that's cool. Um, no, I'll say this in German. Um, this was his last recorded phrase, uh, and they found it next to him when he when he passed. Wir sein Bettler hochest verkum, and what that translates into English in the German is "We are beggars." This is true. I mean, this giant of the faith wow. just saying, look, I, I'm at the end of my law, my, my life, my walk. And I, mm. I, I'm a beggar for God's wow. mercy and grace. Right. I, mm. um, this is a true saying I, Martin Luther, I'm still a beggar, you know? Um, mm. so I, that, that's one of my favorite quotes of his there. One last yeah. one for preaching. Cause I know yourself are itinerant preacher. Yes. Luther says, <laughs> if I could today become a king or emperor, I would not give up my office as a preacher. Wow. He viewed that as one of those, like, the, the preeminent tasks that he um, wow. was called to do. So, yeah, he's got so many quotes. Very quotable man. You can Google it. Absolutely. There's so many powerful ones. Yeah. So good. Have you seen the Luther insults? Have you? No. Oh, not. yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you can also that. do that. <laughs> Is it, like, memes or just, like, actual separate documents? No. So, um, my friend, so Josh, who's from Sword and Pencil, he reminded me of it the other day. So, oh, okay. I think you can, like, go to a certain website where you can get Luther to insult you. And so you just like click on the button and it just comes up with a different Luther insult from his writings. It's actually audio. Like it'll speak out to you. From the uh, I think it's written. It's written. Oh, written. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I'll try. Yeah. I'll try and remember what the actual, like, but I'm sure if you just look up Luther insults, um, yeah. you'll find it somewhere on the internet. The big bad yeah. internet. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, you, you got me. Got me thinking about that now. I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Josh, we really like to finish up, as you know, with some fun facts and some stories, anything that's like a little bit quirky about these people's lives. So I'm sure there is just a myriad oh. of things that we could use from Luther's, but what, what would you like to share oh, about man. that? It, yeah. I have so many. I have to whittle it down. He's such mm. a um, a vivid and demonstrative guy. They said one of the first things people noticed when they met him was his eyes were like, they, they said they were riveted to his eyeballs. They just seemed like a flame. He's a very intense guy. He lived life the fullest. So many, many yeah. anecdotal stories. Um, here's just a bunch. He didn't like the book of Esther or the book of James. He wanted those removed from the canon because <laughs> Esther doesn't mention God at all. And James yeah. is like workspace. Luther goes, get them out of the canon. It's like, <laughs> take it easy, right? Very opinionated. Um, you mentioned table talks and um, yeah. these students would sit at, at his table and his family and just kind of ask him, probe him, you know, entice him to answer some things. Well, they were asking him stuff and his wife had just cooked a meal <laughs> and it's getting cold and he's just going off on theology and talking about this. <laughs> and he, he, he had a, a brain, you know, kind of like pause where he's like, I can't think of this. And his wife jumps in and she's like, well, maybe if you were to eat your, your, your hot meal that's getting cold that I made for you, maybe it would <laughs> trigger your memory. <laughs> and Luther like, pounded his fist said, woman don't interrupt me when i'm thinking and just got super awkward and quiet and his students they said waited like five minutes like 
and kind of kept eating. And then it kind of tried to re-trigger the conversation. Hey, back to what we were asking. I'm done. I can't even think about that anymore. And the rest of the dinner is just awkward. Um, he That's joked funny. about his weight. He, he got pretty, pretty heavy. Right, he got, and he joked, mm-hmm. he said, man, when I get buried and go underneath uh, the soil, the worms are going to feast on me. They're going to feast on <laughs> me, he said. Um, yeah, his wife was part of 12 nuns that escaped their convent. This uh, is a fun story. Yeah. Yes. And supposedly they hid in these barrels of, of herrings and fish that they smelled. Out of the 12, Luther got eight of them and they came to him and said, look, you're the one advocating. You don't have to take these, these, mm. these vows. What do we do now? And he's like, oh, okay. Well, he got eight of them married off. Three <laughs> of them went back home to their parents. And there was one woman left. He tried to get married off. She courted, this guy courted her about two months and said she was too stubborn, didn't work out. So Luther's like, man, what am I going to do with this with this woman? And she, she points to him and goes, why don't you marry me? Yeah, Luther- she had always had eyes for him. She loved oh. him. He was 42. She was 27. Yeah. And this is yeah. Catherine uh, Von Bora. And he's like, I'm 15 years older than you. And I have a death sentence on my head. I go outside my territory. I'm a heretic. Like, we can't yeah. have a family raise kids. I might be a dead man any day. And Luther wanted to be a martyr. Uh, but he married her and he wrote down his three reasons, which are so unromantic. Get this. <laughs> I'm marrying her to please my dad, to provoke the Pope and to pass on my last name. Right. <laughs> I think about like, she's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I love her. Yeah. Not yeah. romantic but, at all. No, but later yeah. it was just a, a, a relationship, um, oozing with love and affection. Mm. Uh, he, he, he affectionately called her Lord Katie, um, <laughs> He really came to appreciate her. That stubbornness that he didn't like at first in her, he just saw it was strong resolve. She ran mm-hmm. the household. Um, there's a, uh, two funny stories with her. Yeah. So Luther's total bachelor, which I can relate. <laughs> I'm, I'm 40 bachelor here. Um, Luther, when she came home, once they got married, he had a, a mat of straw. That was his bed. <laughs> On his own confession, he goes, it reeked of my sweat. He, and she asked him, when's the last time you cleaned out your straw and changed it out? He like, over about a year ago, she goes, are you kidding me? Just total bachelorhood. And she didn't kind of revamp his lifestyle. And this is my mm-hmm. favorite story of her and him. Um, Luther was, was prone to depression. So he's, he's human like all of us, which is why he's so accessible to us, Layla, because mm-hmm. you, you read about him being extra sassy or mm-hmm. uh, there's things later in his life where he said some pretty horrendous things about Jews. He mm-hmm. actually counseled yeah. a prince to take a second wife. It's called uh, Philip of Hesse. Uh, so he advocated uh, bigamy, polygamy, um, polygamy. Yeah, no bigamy. In this one because there's just two wives, but okay. But yeah, so he, he's not the person, <coughs> but he was prone to depression. Mm-hmm. He was in a, supposedly in a funk for two weeks. He comes mm-hmm. home from from the university, and his wife is dressed in all black, and she's looking very solemn. And <laughs> Luther goes, "Katie, what, what? Who who died? Did somebody pass away?" She goes, "God died." And he goes, oh, stop. Give me a break. God didn't die. She goes, no, you stop. You know, honey, you've been acting like God's been dead for the last two yeah. weeks. Your depression, you haven't prayed. You haven't been in the Bible. You act like God's perished. He's alive and well. So quit, get a snap out of it. Yeah. And he was just like, you're right. You're right. My, so my bad, right? So just, yeah. just her I love that. that on. She's just, she's such a yeah. firecracker. Um, yeah. So, um, Luther, I don't know if this is kosher for your podcast, but he struggled with kidney stones and constipation his whole life. Yeah, he crazy. wrote about it often. So the guy <laughs> suffered. Um, 
there's a famous fun fact story where John Wesley, your boy, I know you're a Wesley. Yeah, guy. I love Wesley, yeah. Uh, his Aldersgate conversion experience in London where he's walking by the church service and they were reading Luther's introduction to the Book of Romans. Mm. And hearing that, John Wesley, quote, said, um, I felt my heart strangely warm. Mm. He counts that as his conversion experience. Martin Luther talking about the precious gospel in Romans. Mm. Um, that was huge. Um, there's a there's a uh, two more things I want to mention. Yeah. One, Luther has this great quote. It just shows you his uh, his tenacity and his uh, mm. just he's kind of like a um, just a provoker. Uh, he says mm. this: the gospel is the principal article of all Christian doctrine. Most necessary it is, therefore, that we should know this article well, teach mm. it unto others, and beat it into their heads continually. <laughs> I mean, the practical advice there. There was a sermon in this book. He has sermons of his. Yeah. Um, and some of them, he's like just chastising the people. You guys haven't given much money the last couple offerings. You're being so selfish with your money. Shame <laughs> on you. God's going to punish you. Shame You're on like, you. man, he does not hold back. Yeah. Uh, last yeah. fun fact for him is... When he was asked by his Augustinian rector, Johann Staupitz, to take over the chair of Bible theology, and that put Luther on the track to teach Romans and teach and lecture on Psalms and Galatians, which helped him really get the, the heart of the gospel. Mm. He was under a pear tree. When he asked Martin Luther, you need to do the Luther, he goes, I'm not ready. I'm not qualified. He goes, you are well, another famous pear tree story is Augustine's conversion when he was wow. crying under yeah. a pear tree and felt like the Holy Spirit was telling him to take up and read the Bible. And he mm. read this verse in Romans that got him uh, to become a Christian. So something about pear trees. Yeah. Uh, with Augustine. That's so with, interesting. Luther, something profound happens by pear trees. Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. Is there anything else that you want to share just before we go? Anything else that you want to tell our listeners, our watchers about Luther? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'd like to do this. I want to give some resources and plug yeah, some, um, awesome. some, some inspiration for people to explore this man further. Great. Um, I have about five or six things here. You people need to YouTube yourself included <laughs> a RC Sproul lecture on Luther. Mm -hmm. It's just 30 minutes. It's called the insanity of Luther, the mm. insanity of Luther. It's an incredible teaching by RC Sproul. Who's passed away 30 minutes. It'll be the best 30 minutes of your day. Um, Heiko Oberman's masterful, profound biography. This is this cool. biography is probably my top two or three best biographies I've ever read of anybody. Wow. It helped inspire me to want to move into ministry because I never had a heart for ministry. I know you know I've talked Amazing. about that for 35 years of my life. Never had, had an inkling for ministry, wanted to be out in the world. And reading this really got the ball rolling. Like, if, if I, yeah, Lord, maybe I'm, I'm going to do ministry. This is called Luther, Man Between God and the Devil. Excellent, excellent biography. It's wow. Albert Moeller, um, Southwestern Baptist um, mm -hmm. Seminary uh, head. It's one of his favorite biographies. Eric Metaxas, he wrote this for the 500th year anniversary. Uh, Martin yeah. Luther, the man who rediscovered God and changed the world. This is about mm -hmm. 500 pages, very accessible. Metaxas is sassy and insightful. <laughs> uh, this is probably the most famous biography of Martin Luther. Roland Baton, Here I Stand, A Life of Martin Luther. Mm. Luther looks like a really upset priest here. Like he's about yeah. to somebody. But yeah, very great book. This Rest is uh, 300 pages. There's a movie uh, called Luther with uh, starring Joseph Fiennes. It came out in 2003. It's okay. It's like 44% Rotten Tomato rating. There's some good moments <laughs> in his life. But it's, it's, not, it's not the best, but it's the best one I, I know of. Um, like all Christian movies. Talk. 
What's that? Like all Christian movies. Yeah. It sounds a little too cheesy. You're like, oh, man. Um, Table talk is great to get into. And the last two things are, Mm -hmm. um, well, I'll just mention just one. If people Mm -hmm. can YouTube, Mighty Fortress is Our God. That's Luther's Mm -hmm. most famous hymn. It's very anointed. There's ones where you could do it and there's a choir singing it. But there's a guy named Steve Green. Just YouTube, Mighty Fortress is Our God, Luther. Steve Green and this guy just crushes Luther's most famous <laughs> hymn and it's wow. it's anointed. You watch, you get goosebumps. So mm-hmm. if any of those things uh, catch someone's fancy, just explore Luther again. Mm-hmm. He, he's not going to um, bring you the heart and the joy and the peace the Holy Spirit or Jesus would, but he's like mm-hmm. um, he's a man that that can point you to to the goodness of the Lord. So um, yeah. just a great man and um, just someone that without him can't imagine our Western civilization now. Can't imagine mm. our church right now. And yeah, all the things yeah. that he was going against, the Catholic Church reformed on. Yeah, um, yeah. One last tidbit. Luther introduced congregational singing in the church. Wow. Um, where parishioners just sing. Like we all sing now. Well, the Catholic Church just recently, uh, after Vatican II, they, they've kind of had congregational singing, uh, singing introduced yeah. in their church. So some of the things that he promulgated um, mm. and advocated for, Orthodox, Catholic, and Protestants all do alike. Mm. So wonderful, man. Can't say enough about yeah. him, but hopefully this podcast gets people's hearts stirred up for him. Awesome. Thank you so much, Josh. This has been amazing. Thank you for introducing us to the hero that is Martin Luther and all the reasons why we should get to know him. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, if people want to catch you, if they want to follow your ministry Uh-oh. and stuff, where can they find you? But no one can find you anywhere. So they'll have to like, I don't know. What, what can they do? Is there anywhere on the web that we can connect with you? <laughs> uh, I have an email. They can email, email. Joshua Bidell at gmail.com. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I don't do... Sold school. I, I don't think I ever He does will. carry pigeons, faxes, <laughs> and... <laughs> I, I have a burner Instagram account. I don't think yeah, you do. Blast, but uh, yeah, I just I just follow people. I don't respond to people on there. But uh, yeah, if they want to email me that, I'm I'm starting to integrate more into Theosu, which I know yeah. you're a participant of too. So something like that. Awesome. But yeah, Joshua Bidell at gmail.com. Any question or anything, mm. I'd be be humble to to just interact with people on that. So that'd be the way they get a hold. Awesome. Of me. Yeah. Thank you so much, Josh. Thank you for being on the podcast today and, yeah, diving deep diving into Luther. It was amazing. And thank yeah. you to everyone who's joined us on the Eagle and Child podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Eagle and Child podcast. That's all from us for today. If you want to support us, you can like, subscribe, or drop us a review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Eagle and Child podcast. We'll catch you next time. Much love.